6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Won't be too long before we can't say that anymore, because I think you're going to spring your clocks ahead in probably in, what, three, four weeks? I don't know. 2 o'clock in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And here in Malaysia, it's 1927. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Welcome in. Hello, everybody. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. Please like and subscribe. Mostly subscribe. I don't care about the likes. I mean, it's nice. And share if you really want to be helpful. But subscribe. The little link down here or up there in the corner, wherever it might be, it says subscribe or follow. Just give that a shot, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. This is our, what, 182nd show. Wow. We're going to talk about Moxie tonight. You got Moxie? I'll bet 80% of you don't know what Moxie is without looking it up. M-O-X-I-E. It's a small thing, but we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. We got, wow, man, we got so much weird stuff again tonight. It is, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's going to be another one of those nights. Um, but yeah, we got some, we got some weird stuff coming up. A couple of weird stories, a couple of funny ones, and one incredibly sad one, to be honest. I don't know if I can get through it, but we'll try. All right. And yes, by the way, <laughs> I got a couple of messages from people who asked, are you growing a beard? Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, the camera doesn't pick it up very well because the lights are very bright in the studio. But I've always had this goatee in different variations. I shave it down and just leave, leave a little growth and then I let it grow out. But the camera really can't pick it up much, but I am indeed growing a beard, and I don't know why. Uh, I, you know, I do these things just to entertain myself. So uh, it makes me look a lot older. If you see me in person, you'll see it's actually grown in. It's 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 kind of scruffy, but I wanted to see what color it was. That was the main reason, because this has all kinds of white hair and red and black and brown. It's just a mix. And it looks like the same thing is happening here. It's all got white, brown, quite a bit of red. Because originally, my hair, you can see now it's a little auburn. But it was carrot top when I was a kid. It was bright red and then went copper. And then eventually kind of a brown. I know. Who cares, right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anyway, yes, I did get a couple of messages from some very, very observant viewers who asked if I was growing a beard. I don't know how long it's going to last. By the time you see me Wednesday, I may have shaved it off already. Who knows? We'll see. And if you're listening on the podcast, well, you're the lucky ones because you don't have to see it at all. Thanks to all of our podcast uh, uh, subscribers. We really, really appreciate you. Hundreds of downloads every week, and it's, wow, it's incredible. From the U.S. to India to New Zealand to the U.K., Malaysia, of course. 
But uh, yeah, we're, we're doing great on our podcast. You will find us on any of the podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon or iTunes, whatever it is, um, Radio Public, Stitcher, GeoSavn in, in India. And thank you so much for all of my podcast listeners. I really appreciate it. We're not at the Joe Rogan level yet, but who knows, maybe someday. All right. How about a little Miko? Hmm? Miko update. <laughs> ah, Miko update. I don't have a whole lot to update you on tonight, except that she's doing all right. Uh, she had a hell of a time earlier this evening because we had a wicked thunderstorm go through Subang Jaya, which is where I am in Malaysia. It's a suburb of KL, uh, if, you, if you don't live here. And uh, it was wicked bad. We had one lightning strike that hit what must have been maybe a few hundred meters away from the house. Popped the circuit breaker, all the power went out, switched that back on, everything was fine. But it was, it shook the house, it was that loud. And Miko was not really happy about that. But it was fine, some hugs and some petting, and she got over it, so she's doing all right. We had a very late walk because the rain lasted until like, 8, 8.30 tonight. I just literally half an hour ago got back from our, our pull around the neighborhood with Miko so she could do her business. But otherwise, she's doing well, and thank you to everybody who uh, is always asking, always wondering. They don't care about me. The first thing is, how's Miko? <laughs> Miko's fine. <laughs> All right, what do we got? We got Moxie. That's what we got. You got Moxie? Do you know what Moxie is? If you look it up, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do that live right now. Define moxie. Moxie is the ability to face difficulty with spirit and courage. The second definition is aggressive energy or initiative. And the third is skill or know-how. But that's Really, probably the very first definition is probably the most accurate of what moxie, M-O-X-I-E, is. It's the ability to face difficulty with spirit and courage. You got moxie, kid. It's a very old word. It has been around for a long time. Uh, back in the mm, turn of the century, 19th century, 20s, 30s, moxie was a very popular word back then. And, um, yeah, <laughs> there's a reason I'm talking about Moxie. And the reason is because it's also a soft drink. <sighs> okay. It's been around for like a hundred years, Moxie. It's very popular in Maine, which is, I'm from Connecticut originally, born and bred, uh, Connecticut is the southernmost state in New England, in the northeastern U.S. I know if you live there, this is, you know, elementary school, but a lot of people don't, and they don't know where it is. Maine is the northernmost state bordering Canada uh, in New England. It's the top state over there on the right-hand side in the northeast. It's hugely popular in Maine, but when I was a kid... My very first job, besides delivering newspaper, mowing lawns, was working at Utzler's General Store. It was this 
such a typical country store. It had three aisles. It was owned by the Utzler brothers, Fred, Carl, and Dutch. And they had Moxie. I don't know who the supplier was, probably Canada Dry or something like that. But Moxie was this amazing drink that you either love it or you hate it. I was told that it was actually invented to mix with bathtub gin back in the days of Prohibition when alcohol was illegal in the U.S., they made bathtub gin, which was like pretty much turpentine. You had to cut it with something. And so they invented moxie. But from what I read, apparently not. And <gasps> there is a moxie shortage. I have not had moxie in probably 40 years. If, if any of my listeners or viewers in Connecticut, and I know I got a few of my old friends who check out the show once in a while, even if you're not live... You may watch the video stream afterwards on Rumble or YouTube or Facebook or listen to the podcast. If there is any way, I would pay almost anything for someone to send me a bottle of Moxie. Send me an email or PM me on Facebook. My email is right there. It's uh, nopants at jsheldon.com. Nopants at jsheldon.com. Send me an email. We'll make the arrangements. I'll get you my address. I'll send you some money. I have apparently, I didn't even know it was still being made. But Maine's beloved soda is in short supply. Supply chain issues have delayed the delivery of the polarizing beverage for months. Never mind Biden. Depending on whom you ask, Maine is in the midst of either a curse or a blessing. <laughs> a shortage of moxie it is a the state's official soft drink in short supply because of supply chain problems and it is beloved by thousands of mainers and the subject of a summer festival it's also it has its detractors because it does taste like medicine it really does um coca-cola uh, beverages northeast the local bottler of moxie and i can't believe this still exists said supply chain issues have delayed the delivery uh, concentrate of Moxie Concentrate for months. The bottler says it looks forward to being able to stock the shelves with Moxie as soon as possible. It's not all bad news for Moxie lovers. The Moxie Festival in Lisbon is coming back this July after two years off because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So the rest of this is just ads. There is a link in the show note to this story. It's from the HuffingtonPost.com. Uh, so you can check that out. But um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's Moxie. You'll see the uh, the picture of the bottle on my thumbnail tonight for the show. And uh, I used to love this drink. It was a mixture of kind of like a root beer, but with like a ginseng extract in it. So it had that medicinal flavor to it. It's weird. It's just kind of undescribable. You have to try it if you never have. I know it doesn't exist in Malaysia. And like I said, if any of my listeners or viewers out there from maybe Connecticut, I don't think I've got any listeners or viewers in Maine, maybe, but um, it used to be available in Connecticut. So if, if you wouldn't mind, get me some moxie, please. No pants at jsheldon.com or just PM me on Facebook or send me a private message on any one of our platforms. You can, you can get a hold of us. 
But yeah, I would love to try Moxie again. Moreover, I'd love to bring a bottle on the show and let you be able to see it. That would be very cool. So anyway, yeah, uh, let's we uh, we mentioned the lightning uh, tonight. The one bolt we did get here, which was very close to the house. Um, well, <laughs> as soon as my browser kicks in, my system has been very slow tonight. Sorry, coffee break time. If you want the first link in our show notes, you can check this out. You can get a Miko mug with our show logo on it. Mouse pads, ball caps, hoodies, t-shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. Check out that Miko merch link on our, um, on our show notes tonight. All right. Uh, we did have a bad lightning bolt here in, uh, in Malaysia, where I live. Uh, but not as bad as this one. Whew. Again, Huffington Post story. Lightning bolt that stretched across Texas... Louisiana, and Mississippi, the longest lightning bolt ever recorded, extended almost 500 miles, and it has been declared a new world record holder for the longest flash. Why does that moron bumbling Biden keep coming up? Uh, a bolt of lightning that stretched 500 miles across three U.S. states is the new record holder for the longest flash. It was 477.2 miles, which is 768 kilometers, crossed Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi in April of 2020. Uh, I don't know why they're just running this story now, but yeah, it beat the old record, which was held in Brazil in 2018 of 709 kilometers, uh, 440.6 miles. Also 2020, a single lightning flash over Uruguay and northern Argentina lasted 17.1 seconds. That's how long the lightning bolt was. Broke the old record of 16.7 seconds. That's insane. Look at that. Is this actually a picture of, I think it is. Let me see if this will play. Oh my goodness. Let me mute that. Wow. Is that actually it? Apparently that is the longest single flash in the southern U.S. Wow, that is insane. Normally, lightning doesn't stretch any more than maybe 10 miles and lasts about less than a second. Uh, according to Arizona State University's Randall Cherveny, who's the chief of records confirmation for the meteorologi meteorological organization, two lightning flash records, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, he said in an email, both were cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning, several thousand feet above the ground, so nobody was in any particular danger. And uh, these records, he said, are not linked to climate change. They were spotted and confirmed thanks to new satellite tracking technology. Insane. Imagine that, almost 500 miles long. Dang, that's a long lightning bolt, and I hate lightning. I used I loved to watch lightning. I, it used to not bother me, but there was a time. Boy, we're talking about my hometown a lot tonight. Uh, back in Cornwall, uh, some friends of I, mine, and I were working on a farm in Sharon, Connecticut, which is next town over, and it started to thunderstorm and rain. So we went into the barn, and we were standing in the big open barn doorway, watching the rain and the lightning. And a tree that must have been maybe 50 feet away 
got hit, took a direct hit, split the tree. And all I remember was this white light and noise, the roar of this snap of lightning. Because when you hear it close up, it's not a boom, like you hear lightning rumbling in. It's a snap of electricity. It was so loud that my ears just shut off. It was like, and then nothing. And I think my ears must have shut down to protect themselves or something. I don't know. Never figured it out. That was my guess. But the next thing I knew, I was on my butt along with my friends about 10 feet back. It just, the shock, it wasn't the lightning that knocked us over, but the shock and the surprise, we just went backwards. It was ever since then that I've never really cared for lightning. (laughs) I don't mind the thunder because the thunder can't hurt you. It's the lightning. Yeah, that's a very cool thing. All right, I found another thing from the dark edges of the internet that I thought I would share with you tonight. We talk about fails a lot. In fact, there are always articles about how this fail, that fail. I like this. It's from BoardPanda.com, and it is the opposite of design fails. 50 of the most brilliant design ideas that people have ever shared in an online group. And it's cool because they take, they take the, the usual fails and turn it into something good. It's very cool. Um, so check this out. I'm not going to read all 50, of course, but I'll just show you a few, and I encourage you to go over to Board Panda. The link is in our show notes, our description tonight. You can check out the whole article on uh, Board Panda. Number one, harnessing nature to shade a sidewalk. Check this out. They've Look at this alleyway, sidewalk, and the trees they've planted, which have interconnected above and provides shade for the sidewalk. Very cool design idea. Uh, World War I Memorial in Hakratot, Hungary, and I'm sure I mispronounced that, but a striking memorial from World War I of the missing father in the family. Wow, that is, that's incredible. Playing cards. <laughs> Look at the dog. These are great. <laughs> what a great design. Very cool. I'd love a deck of these. Nice, nice, nice. Good stuff. All right. Uh, here's a cool one. You know what this is? This is a bench in a park. In fact, you'll see two of them here. And these two benches are on rails. See, it starts all the way over there and goes all the way around. It looks like a railroad track rail. In fact, the, the wheels look a lot like railroad uh, car, train track, train wheels. That's the word, Jay. Get it right. <laughs> anyway, the idea is that as you sit on the bench and the sun moves, you can move the bench. So it's always in the shade. What a cool idea. Now, there is a design concept. Somebody thinking, huh? Somebody using the old noodle for something other than to keep your shoulders warm? That is very cool. There's a ton of these. An apartment building in Turin holds 150 trees. Look at that. Talk about greenscaping. These are full-on trees, too. These are not just bushes and plants. These are actual trees in this apartment building. These are ads about littering from Toronto. Boy, we could use this here in Malaysia. 
People litter like crazy around here. So they've taken packages, put them down like litter, but you'll see here, low life, pig, made out of, uh, I don't know, some sort of, looks like Reese's Pieces and something else, not sure what. But uh, littering, it says a lot about you. Nice. We need a campaign like this. One of my advertising agency friends, keep an eye on this. Not a bad idea. Anyway, check them all out. There's like 50 of them. They're very cool, and they are. Uh, the link is in the show notes tonight. You can uh, you can read the uh, the whole article. Very cool. All right, more cool stuff. I promised you a collection of crap tonight, and that is exactly what I'm delivering. Hold on, coffee break. Okay, got a weird one for you. This is from historicmysteries.com. Yeah, this this is really is a weird one. I read through this before, and it's such a strange story. Not a lot of visuals to go along with this. It's just basically a story. But uh, it's a quick read. And check it out. Again, links in the show notes. September 23rd, 1880. Just another day on a farm near Gallison Tech, Tennessee. David Lang was walking across his fields. The area where he was walking was large and flat. No trees or stones or fences in the area. Lang's wife and children were watching him from the house. Two men on a buggy were riding by, and they also were watching Lang as he made his way across the field. Suddenly, in view of everyone, Lang vanished in a single step. One moment he was walking across the field, and the next, he was gone. The first conclusion by those who had been watching thought he must have fallen into a hole. Searched the area, no hole, and no other explanation for where he would have disappeared to. Once it became obvious that he just simply disappeared without explanation. His wife became hysterical. Witnesses took her back to the house. Neighbors joined the search, but there was no sign of Lang. And eventually, the searches were called off. A year later, Lang's daughter stood in the very spot where they had last seen Lang vanish. He called out, she called out to her father several times, not getting a response, turned around and headed back to the house. When she heard a faint cry for help in her father's voice, she ran and got her mother, who went to the spot, and also the mother could hear her husband's voice. They returned the following day and once again heard Lang calling for help, although the cry was fainter. After several days, the voice was too faint to hear, and it was never heard again. One source says the spot where he vanished, the grass grew unnaturally well, although no insects would go near it and the livestock would not graze there. Other sources say the exact opposite, that grass never grew there and it would grow lush everywhere else around the area. So, the origins of the story, I'll let you read that in the article, but it's a very weird one. True? Don't know. Check it out. It's very cool. From historicmysteries.com. Uh, definitely worth a read. 
It's a short little article, but uh, very cool. All right. Alvin Toe, you made me cry. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to explain something to you. Ever since we got Miko, I have been so Im emo about dogs. I'm a member of a whole bunch of different Shiba Inu groups on Facebook. And uh, there are folks who share their stories of their dogs who uh, have to cross over the Rainbow Bridge because they've gotten old and sickly and their time has come. And every time I read these stories, it just gets me right in the ticker. And I saw this post Alvin Tio, a friend of mine, made. Uh, thank you, Alvin. Very meaningful post. And wow, I wanted to share it with you because two reasons. One is maybe to give you some strength and hope if your pet gets to that point where they, you have to let them go. So I wanted to share this with you. I have put a link. It's a public post that Alvin made. So it's, it's not a private thing. It's, it's public. Anybody can read it. Uh, Alvin writes, The first pet that I actually owned was a beautiful Dane named Haru. Putting her down when she was deteriorating with cancer was really hard. But now reading, this is an article he attached this to, I'm glad I was with her till the end, hugging her head and patting her as the lethal injection was administered and whispering into her ear to let her know she was a good, good dog. So the last voice she hears on this earth was mine. And now reading this, it comforts me a bit to know it mattered. The post that uh, he shared was from Pat Herman's and Animal, Animal Planet. It's, um, you know what, I don't think I'm going to read it. I want you to read it. It is in our show notes tonight. And I cannot encourage you in strong enough terms to read this article. If you have a pet, maybe they're close to that moment where they need to pass over, please read this article and it will help you through and give you some advice too. It's written by a veterinarian and uh, wow, uh, words cannot express. It's just amazing. Please uh, read, read the article. Whether you're listening on the podcast or watching the video replay, link is in our description down below in our show notes. It's a brilliant article and very well worth your time. All right. What else we got? Hey, we got another hometown story. <laughs> this is like Cornwall night. I don't know. We will get to Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer coming up in just a bit, too, by the way. So stand by for that. Uh, it's called OnlyInYourState.com. And this article appeared uh, February 24th, so just a few days ago. The small town in Connecticut is peak New England vibes. <laughs> Perhaps more than any region in the country, New England is a unique place culturally, geographically speaking. Of course, the six states that make up the region have their own identity. 
Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. And, uh, wow, I remember that. <laughs> the quizzistential town in New England is a small, bustling Main Street area, maybe beautiful natural areas, pristine white churches, tons of quaint historical buildings. And if that sounds up your alley, you need to plan a day trip to Cornwall immediately. That's Cornwall, Connecticut, not Cornwall, England. The sleepy town is one of the best small towns in Connecticut and the epitome of small-town New England. Tucked away in Litchfield County, this is where I grew up. In fact, this picture was taken right in the spot by Tony Locke's house, where I spent countless hours doing all kinds of goofy things. Uh, it's incredibly scenic. That's the uh, Housatonic River. And looks like late fall, because uh, the trees have turned color and lost a lot of their leaves. Uh, first incorporated 40 years before the U.S. declared their independence. The area's rural has a quaint main street that features tons of historical buildings. This is West Cornwall, which is actually where, where I, the town, the part of town that I grew up in. Yes, we had railroad tracks. <laughs> in fact, my first trip ever to New York City, I boarded a train right there in West Cornwall with my grandmother and my mom and my sister, and we went to New York City, got off at Grand Central Station a million years ago. <laughs> this is the library in the town hall. It's amazing, really. And here, of course, is one of the most famous landmarks from Cornwall. Uh, this is the Cornwall West Cornwall Covered Bridge across the Housatonic River. I hope the uh, Tourist Association in Cornwall is going to pay me money for this promotion here. Anyway, check out this uh, link in our show notes. It is, uh, it's a great article. In fact, that is the Catholic Church. If I'm not mistaken, it's St. Bridget's. These are the steps that I was sitting on in a story I told many, many streams ago about why I wound up not being a Catholic, even though I was baptized a Catholic, and why my family became Protestants. I'll tell that story again sometime, but not tonight. Otherwise, you'll have to go back through the streams and you can, you can find the story. It's there somewhere. But that's the church, the very church, and those are the very steps I was sitting on with my sister. <laughs> Wow, a long time ago. Anyway, if you are anywhere near Northwest Connecticut, take a trip to Cornwall, my hometown. It's worth it. It really is. You could not have picked probably a better place to have grown up than Cornwall. Wow. All right. I got one more, and then we're going to get on to Tom Sawyer. This is from a dear friend of mine from Japan, Kunito Imai, and uh, he always shares the most beautiful photographs. He's an incredible incredible photographer. And the link is in our show notes. This is not about photography, though. This is a post he made from the Guardian of the Woods. But uh, there is uh, Kunito Imai. And uh, the Guardian of the Woods wanted to share this with you tonight before we get to Tom Sawyer. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I'm sorry, boys, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. 
My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. Oh, I'm too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I'm too tired to climb, said the boy. I am sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I'm an old stump. I'm sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down. Sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. That is from the amazing Shel Silverstein, called The Giving Tree. The Guardian of the Woods. Very nice. And again, links in the show notes. You want to check it out? Please do. Great post. And if you ever get a chance, in fact, just do a web search for Shel Silverstein. You'll find some amazing poetry. A lot of fun stuff, too. All right, what else are we going to do? We're going to go to uh, Tom Sawyer. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> All right, where's our little uh, book cover? There we go. As you know, we read uh, classic books on this show, and right now we're doing Tom Sawyer, which has been a lot of fun. Really uh, fantastic book by the amazing Mark Twain. We uh, are on Chapter 22. We're getting through it. It's a long book, but uh, I will make this note, which I always proceed our reading with, especially in with a book like this. It was written back in 1876 by Mark Twain, and there are words in this book that in 1876 were perfectly appropriate. Today, not so much, including the use of the N-word that is used in this book occasionally, and... Uh, Obviously, today, that is not a proper word to use. However, we are reading exactly the words as Mark Twain wrote them. And that does include some words and phrases that are not appropriate today. If that sort of thing bothers you, you might want to go find something else to do for the next 15 or 20 minutes. In the meantime, it's time for Chapter 22 in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Tom joined the new order of cadets of temperance. Being attracted by the showy character of their regalia, he promised to abstain from smoking, chewing, and profanity as long as he remained a member. Now, he found out a new thing, namely that to promise not to do a thing is the surest way in the world to make a body want to go and do that very thing. Tom soon found himself tormented with the desire to drink and swear. The desire grew to be so intense that nothing but the hope of a chance to display himself in his red sash kept him from withdrawing from the order. Fourth of July was coming, but he soon gave that up. Gave it up before he'd worn his shackles over 48 hours and fixed his hopes upon old Judge Frazier, Justice of the Peace, who was apparently on his deathbed, 
and would have a big public funeral, since he was so high an official. During three days, Tom was deeply concerned about the judge's condition and hungry for news of it. Sometimes his hopes ran high. So high he would venture to get out his regalia and practice before the looking glass. But the judge had a most discouraging way of fluctuating. At last, he was pronounced upon the mend and then convalescent. Tom was disgusted and felt a sense of injury, too. He handed in his resignation at once. That night, the judge suffered a relapse and died. Tom resolved that he would never trust a man like that again. The funeral was a fine thing. The cadets paraded in a style calculated to kill the late member with envy. Tom was a free boy again, however. There was something in that. He could drink and swear now, but found to his surprise that he didn't want to. The simple fact that he could took the desire away and the charm of it. Tom presently wondered to find that his coveted vacation was beginning to hang a little heavily on his hands. He attempted a diary, but nothing happened during three days, so he abandoned it. The first of all the Negro minstrel shows came to town, made a sensation, Tom and Joe Harper got up a band of performers and were happy for two days. Even the glorious fourth was in some sense a failure, for it rained hard. There was no procession in consequence, and the greatest man in the world, as Tom supposed, Mr. Benton, an actual United States senator, proved an overwhelming disappointment, for he was not twenty-five feet high, nor even anywhere in the neighborhood of it. A circus came. The boys played circus for three days afterward in tents made of rag carpeting. Admission, three pins for boys, two for girls. And then circusing was abandoned. A phrenologist and a mesmerizer came, went again, and left the village duller and drearier than ever. There were some boys and girls parties, but there were so few so delightful that they only made the aching voids between the ache the harder. Becky Thatcher was gone to her Constantinople home to stay with her parents during vacation, so no bright side to life anywhere. The dreadful secret of the murder was a chronic mystery. It was a very cancer for permanency and pain. And then came the measles. During two long weeks, Tom lay a prisoner, dead to the world and its happenings. He was very ill. He was interested in nothing. When he got up on his feet at last and moved feebly downtown, a melancholy change had come over everything, and every creature, there'd been a revival, and everybody had got religion. Not only the adults, but even the boys and girls. Tom went about, hoping against hope for the sight of one blessed, sinful face. But disappointment crossed him everywhere. He found Joe Harper studying a testament, turned sadly away from the depressing spectacle. 
He sought Ben Rogers, found him visiting the poor with a basket of tracts. He hunted up Jim Hollis, who called his attention to the precious blessing of his late measles as a warning. Every boy he encountered added another ton to his depression. And when, in desperation, he flew for refuge at last to the bosom of Huckleberry Finn and was received with a scriptural quotation. His heart broke, and he crept home and to bed, realizing that he alone of all the town was lost forever and forever. And that night there came a terrible storm, driving rain, awful claps of thunder, blinding sheets of lightning. He covered his head with the bedclothes and waited in horror of suspense for his doom, for he had not the shadow of a doubt that all this hubbub was about him. He believed he'd taxed the forbearance of the powers above to the extremity of endurance, and that this was the result. It might have seemed to him a waste of pomp and ammunition to kill a bug with a battery of artillery, but there seemed nothing incongruous about the getting up of such an expensive thunderstorm as this to knock the turf from under an insect like himself. By and by, the tempest spent itself and died without accomplishing its object. The boy's first impulse was to be grateful and reform. His second was to wait, for there might not be any more storms. The next day, the doctors were back. Tom had relapsed. The three weeks he spent on his back this time seemed an entire age when he got abroad at last, he was hardly grateful that he'd been spared, remembering how lonely was his estate, how companionless and forlorn he was. He drifted listlessly down the street, found Jim Hollis acting as a judge in a juvenile court that was trying a cat for murder in the presence of her victim, a bird. He found Joe Harper and Huck Finn up in an alley, eating a stolen melon. Poor lads. They, like Tom, had suffered a relapse. <laughs> and that's chapter 22. Very cool. All right, we will uh, continue on with uh, chapter 23 and our next stream. I will see you again on Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. And uh, please do like, subscribe, and share. Uh, we appreciate all of your follows, subscribes. The button's right there. It's free, costs you nothing, and it really helps the show a lot. Until Wednesday, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>